welcome to the Best Relationship Ever podcast. I'm Freddie Concio. And I'm Melinda Concio. To navigate the best relationship ever, we have found some of the greatest skills to accomplish this. Through 35 years of marriage and 25 years of pastoring, much of what we've learned will be shared throughout our podcast. So if you're interested in creating amazing relationships in your life, Hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our podcasts. Here we are in springtime. This is my favorite time of year. Springtime is good. I love when the leaves come out and everything's bright green. Well, because I grew up in Wisconsin as a young kid. Those are different. Totally, totally different. Winters like 10 months of snow. No, that's probably an exaggeration, but it felt like forever as a kid. So when the spring, the first flowers came out, it just makes me super happy. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I like it too. And it's coming close to my birthday, of course. And that yes, makes you happy it big is. time, right? Always. I'm glad you were born. Me too. Yes. Hey, today's program is going to be dealing with the tough parts of love. Wow. Did you ever consider that there are tough parts in love? Um, I've experienced some tough parts of love. Yes. I can think of a couple examples. But first, wait, wait, wait. You want to hear my Kwee story, don't you? I want to hear your Easter story. Okay. It's called the Kwee story. All right. Let's get it correct. Okay. And the reason it's called Kwee is because... When I was a little boy, my parents wanted to give me something special, Easter, because right now this podcast is kind of being uh, aired this, just after Easter. So I want to give something a little close to that. And my parents gave me a duck, a cute little baby duck. So it was already cracked out of the shell. Yes, completely. Yeah. And he kept going, quee, 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 quee. So we called him quee, quee. Oh, so cute. cute. So I raised Kwee I mean, he got bigger and bigger to a point one day my dad said, well, one day we got to release Kwee at the park. And I'm like, what? Yes, we're going to release him at the park to go with all the other big ducks because he's too big just to stay here. Yeah. I said, get rid of Kwee How sad. It was sad. It was suffering. I was crying. And they said, trust me, when he goes to the other ducks, You'll be happy. Okay. So I actually thought Kwee Kwee won't go with the other ducks. He'll turn around and come back to me. No, wait. How old were you at this time? Uh, about seven or eight years old. So you were already in school? Yes. Okay. So we go to the park. Yeah. Release Kwee Kwee. Yeah. I thought he's going to just kind of come out real slow and all scared. He darted out of that cage quicker than I've ever seen any animal and go right <laughs> to all the other ducks flapping so his wings cute. and all excited. I think he saw the girls or yeah, something, you know, but right? he, and he didn't even turn around and say goodbye to me. Oh, oh I bet it broke your little heart. Well, I kind of was a mixed emotion. I was happy for Kwee that he was happy to find a family and enjoy them and maybe create a family. Uh, <laughs> and but yet I was sad for myself too. So that's my Kwee story. Do you have one? Oh, that's adorable. Well, I my story is kind of different. I was a bit older because I'm the oldest of my family. So I probably was maybe 14 years old 
but I have uh, two sisters, so they would have been 12 and 6, and then my brother was little. He was just probably one or two. Wow. So um, we had Easter eggs. We had colored ourselves. So these are the real eggs, not the plastic ones. <laughs> so my stepdad was like, well, I'm going to hide these eggs so nobody could find them. So he told us to go to our bedrooms and not to come out until after the eggs were hid. Hid. So we went and started collecting all the eggs, and he put some simple ones so that my two-year-old brother could find them and then my younger sister. But then he hid some that were pretty difficult to find. So it took us maybe about a half hour, 45 minutes, and we all came back and put all the eggs that we had found together. And we just had fun, and we went on with our Easter day, right? Well, probably about four days later, the house started smelling so bad. Now, I don't know if you've oh actually goodness. ever smelled no. a rotten egg. Ew. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be disgusting, but you think about the worst farts ever. Okay? <laughs> I'm passing gas. And it was like, that was in our house. And it came to find out that there was an egg hid behind a picture Ew. leaning against the wall. Yeah. Who was the picture of? <laughs> it was a painting, you know, something. Oh, okay, I have okay, no okay. Idea. But it was, it was just disgusting. But we still talk about it the time that we didn't find all the eggs. So the suffering was in the smell for sure. <laughs> so we're talking about the tough parts of love, but yet that love can involve suffering. So we have involved suffering with Kwee and your... I like your story so much better. And then suffering with your rotten eggs. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the word suffering. Let's, let's break this down because this involves love. And this is really important when we talk about is there suffering in love? And in my relationship with you, you've, you and I have had times where we've had out some serious suffering, financial suffering, right. emotional suffering, sickness, suffering. I think that's why it says in the wedding vows, in sickness and in health, and richer or poor, right. you know, all that stuff. Because it's saying you're going to involve suffering in this relationship. And I think every relationship involves suffering. I think life involves suffering, right? Yes, yes. I think it's a fantasy to think that everything is going to be good. All the, I think people actually get dismayed or, or put into a very bad way, depressed, because they think everything is supposed to be good all the time. Mm. You know what blows me away is that this kind of mentality today where they believe the word passion means something that it doesn't mean, which means, watch this. They'll say, oh, I'm passionate about my art. I'm passionate about my music. I have a passion. Well, the word passion, if you look it up in today's dictionary, it'll come under the suffering of Christ. Right. That Christ was the example of passion. So if I have passion for my relationship with my newfound wife, Melinda, years ago, that passion involves suffering. You mm -hmm. say, ooh, that's kind of morbid a little bit. When you think about it, you think about just the relationship being full of love and happiness and flowers and birds and roses Disney and movie, twinkle right? stuff. Yes. Yeah. But it's, who thinks of love involving suffering? Well, I think uh, I, can, I can say from experience, 
I think it's a suffering time that actually draws us closer to each other. Oh, yeah. When you when you can say, hey, we went through things together. We yes. suffered together. We made it. Yes. That's the key. You yes. made it through the suffering, which makes you tighter, closer, a better relationship than ever. And I think even with God, I have relationships where I suffer on certain things and disagree with God on, he'll disagree with me, and we'll go back and forth. And ultimately, <laughs> God wins. Can you believe that? He wins every time. Well, he is God. <laughs> yeah. And so then, well, I wanted to, to jump in here because I don't, I don't want people to get discouraged from using the word passion. Yes. Because right. the truth is, if you are passionate for something, or in doing something, like if you're, you're passionate for your art, that means you are actually willing to suffer to accomplish or create the art that you want to put out so that you have a vision within your mind. Yep. You're willing to suffer to the point until you can get it out into the world. Carry and be out expressed. that vision. That's exactly. Perfect. That's I why love the it. correct use of passion. Some of the greatest things in life we've seen people create under suffering, but oh, yes. yet they. Olympics. I mean, yeah. they had to oh suffer to go through training and the, the the discipline to make it, and then bam, they win the gold. Wow! Yes. And, and yeah. we're all excited about it. None of us see the suffering. We only see the gold. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Very few of us actually see the suffering that goes into something like that. Well, that's why in First Corinthians thirteen it says, "Love suffers long." Yes. What do you think that means? Love suffers long. Um, I think it it it. La- it perseveres is another word, right? Yes. Like it, it continues Endures. without stopping, that endurance. When I ran track, I was never that short runner. I was the long distance Ooh, runner. The suffer's so, long. <laughs> yeah, it's a long suffering. It's just you don't stop. You don't feel good, but you just keep going. Melinda, you brought up something interesting in regards to suffering with and suffering against. I, I want to hear that again, what you had brought up yesterday. We were talking about right, that. right. Well, I think it's super interesting because I don't know anybody that steps into a relationship that they are looking to suffer against that person. That's so true. I've never married a couple that says I can't wait for us to get together and start arguing and fighting and debating and yelling at each other. I've never met a couple like that that's wanted to start out that way. Yeah, at least in the beginning, right? Against I, each other, in other I, words. Exactly. No, you and I have done a lot of crisis counseling when the couples come in and they're at that point where they're actually suffering against one another. Right. And that is really a danger sign. If you are in a relationship with somebody, whether it be a business partnership, a family relationship, or husband and wife, where you see the other person as your enemy, that you are suffering against them, that is a dangerous place to be. Wow. So what's the difference of suffering with them? Now, suffering with them is when you both are on the same team. Gotcha. So whatever struggle that you are coming up against, like if it's a financial thing, I know there has been times, especially at the beginning of our marriage, where there'd be something I Forgot. wouldn't pay the bill on time, I right? would forget, or it was on my calendar, didn't check it, so it didn't get paid, but you came against me yep i was mad right and then but we finally learned how to say we're on the same team our goal is to have that bill paid yes right so instead of being against let's join together and suffer against 
that item or that That reminds me of our first uh, podcast when we talked about I'm on your side. Yes. That statement, I'm on your side, changes everything. So So I'm no longer against you. I'm with you in the middle of the suffering. I believe God does that with us many times in the middle of our suffering. He says, I'm with you. I'm on your side. I love that. I, I know growing up in church, I felt like God was against me or I had to hide my shame from him. But instead he says, I want to come with you, that even Holy Spirit, his actual translation means pericolitos, somebody that walks with you. Right. Yes, so yes. So awesome. It's so weird. I don't know why that we as humans, and I, I, I'm the first, I'll, I'll raise my hand that I've done this, where I feel like God forgot about me, God's against me, he's not on my side, I'm not one of his favorites, I'm one of the black sheep of the family, and all these things that go through people's heads. I mean, even in the Bible, when there was a storm, yes. and they looked at him and said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? All the time. Again, saying, you don't care, Jesus. You, you don't care about my suffering. Uh, Mary and Martha did the same thing. Don't you care, Jesus, that you've left me alone, or my sisters left me alone to serve you? Don't you care? Mm-hmm. Again, not caring about my suffering, when it's the total opposite. Well, I think the enemy of our soul has done a good job at tricking us into blaming God rather than looking to God as our rescue. Yeah. That's why we got to go back to some of the simple verses in the right. Bible, like John yes. three sixteen, for God so loved the world. See, he always begins with love. Well, that's who he is. His nature is love. His motive yes. is love. His method is love. It's yes. always connected to love. Why did God come to the earth and send his only begotten son? Because he loves us. Yes. Not because he was sending us to be punished and ridiculed and sent to hell. No, I'm trying to rescue you, God says. I sent my only begotten son that yes. whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There are five keys that are connected in that. Yeah, I love how you laid this out because you can't make it any more simple than this. Keys to passion. Mm. So basically, you're saying keys to suffering or keys to passion. Well, check it out. Let's break it down. You know, for God to love the world, the first key is the vision of love. Remember, for God to love the world, there's your first key of passion. Right. And the second key of passion is dealing with, for God gave his only begotten son. And that would deal with the key of suffering. And Or another word to look at suffering is cost. Yeah. Yeah. Because it cost him his own son. There you go. Now, just last night, you and I watched a movie. I think it was called Greenland, right? It was crazy. Like the country Greenland, it right? It was crazy, yes. And I don't want to give away the whole movie, but there was a portion that got me so emotional because, first of all, the, the dad got separated from the mom, who they also have a seven year old son. Now, the mother got pulled away from her son and somebody was driving away with their son in the car. Ooh. And I was <laughs> I was so angry. I stood up and I was like, oh my God, I would just go nuts if somebody tried to do that to one of my kids. To take my son away from me? Yeah, there's something about losing the thing that is closest to you, which would be your own child, you know, yes. or your wife or your husband or and your God partner. And God chose to do yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So Jesus became that son that was the one that also had to suffer. Besides the father suffering by giving his only begotten son, he also had to 
allow his own son to suffer for us as well. So key to number three passion would be believes in him, which means to have faith. Yeah. The key of faith. Right. It involves faith. Uh, number four would be shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the key of hope. So you got the last part, which is have everlasting life. That's the last key, which is the key of destiny. So you got all these keys that are laid out. Vision of love, suffering, faith, hope, and destiny. These are the five keys to passion. And suffering is involved in these keys. A hundred percent. And God stood in that place when we weren't even looking for him to do it for us. I mean, there's one scripture that says, um, while I was yet in sin, well, in other words, when I was lost, I had no idea what was going on. He died for us. So in other words, while I wasn't looking for God to save me, he had already paid the price in full. Yeah, yeah. So let me throw you a curveball because I know you're not expecting this at all. Right. And you can throw the curveball back to me because I have a plan on it, but it just came up as we were talking. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Why do you love Jesus and why does he love you? Well, I know the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is the scripture. I love him because he first loved me. Good, good answer. But in, in truth and what that actually means to me in real life is God's never left me. Hmm. And because he stays in that place of acceptance of me and uh, has made a way for me to have relationship, I can live in that relationship. Hmm. Yeah. Why do I love Jesus and why does God love me? Wow. Okay. Um, I love Jesus because he first loved me, but I love Jesus because of the way he's allowed me to live a life. I mean, I'm in my 50s now. And have been able to raise my sons and raise a family and and pull off a, a career of ministry. And, and God's, I believe it's all been God that did it from the day one of my life. He's led me in such a beautiful way. As long as I was willing to follow him. Anytime I didn't follow him, things would get messed up. But whenever I'd follow him, somehow things would just find a way of working out. I'm not saying no bad things happen to you as long as you're following God because suffering's always involved. But there are times where he'll get you out of those bad things once you or shows you a way out of those bad things once you enter into that suffering of love with him. So he's always loved me and his love is amazing. That's why I love him. And why does he love me? I think it's because I'm kind of cute. <laughs> I have no idea why God loves me. Yeah. I don't deserve it, but he does. Well, I think it's important. <clears throat> I don't think I would love me. Well. Because I'm not that cute. But you love me, and that's... I don't know. So maybe you're the answer <clears throat> to find out why God really loves me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's super important, too, in, in what you just said, because there's different ways you could look at that in that you're saying because God is good to me, therefore I love him. God is nothing but good, mm -hmm. even in the bad things. But we can't judge our relationship with God yeah. or if he loves me by if good things happen. Because there's some people in horrific situations um, throughout the world that um, they, they have to walk in such a place of faith. I, do, I don't know. If I had to watch my child go hungry, 
or if I had to watch my child suffer, um, how strong my faith could still be with God. I want to think, oh, I'd be the, the great, yay, Christian mom that still loves God, even though, but man, that would be a huge test. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Here's a misconcept. God only loves goody goodies. Yes. Because they worked for it. They were good. They prayed. They went to church. They lived a clean life. Therefore, God loves the goody goodies. Mm -hmm. That is the furthest thing from the truth. Because the because if God only loves those that have earned their way to be loved, then that's saying that I can come up with my own righteousness. I don't right. even need God really mm-hmm. to be righteous or holy or perfect because I created it. I earned God's love, and there is no way you can earn God's love. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, yes. not of works, lest anyone should try to boast about these works. You can't boast about how good you were, how righteous you've been, or how holy. And it's been recently, I've been seeing that seed come back into the church of saying how clean we are compared to them. Mm. So powerful. Yeah. The minute we put a them and a, and a they and, a, and another group against us and we pretend to be more holier than them, than thou, no, we missed it big time. Self-righteousness. As soon as you feel like you've earned your right to be with God, that's your self-righteousness. And God even says in his word that that is like filthy nasty rags rags before him. It doesn't hold weight compared to the perfection of God. That's why it has to be a gift. Yeah. So God's love is for everyone. It's not just for the goody goodies. And I believe there are some people in church that have been raised this way where they believe, well, if I pray and I'm good and I'm righteous, then God loves me more. There's Mm. no way you can make God love you any more than you are right now. His love is perfect. Yes, it is. And he suffers long in that love with you and with I. So that's a way, uh, that is a weight off my shoulders knowing that, that I don't have to be perfect to get love from God or get more blessings from God or to get lucky from God. Mm-hmm. It's just a gift. And that's called grace. Once again, we come into that word, beautiful word, amazing grace. This season, as we were remembering the passion of Christ and what he's done for us, please know that he loves you no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done. He loves you, period. Then you can make the choice to say, so then we love him because he first loved us. Because if you take a moment to receive his love inside of you, it'll change your world. I think it's a good idea at this point to just make this super clear and super simple. Yeah. There's no magic words. There's no got to be touched by somebody or have to uh, stand on your head to start this relationship with God. It's as simple as asking God, saying, be a part of my life. I want to experience your love. I want to have an understanding of how you could see me as good because I know for myself, even as a small child, like you started off with how we see ourselves 
acceptable, not acceptable, good, bad. There's just something in our human nature that tends to look at ourselves in bad light. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to make this simple, like I had said earlier, just asking God, God, thank you for the gift that you offer to me. And I receive that in my life. I want to know you for the goodness and who you are, this love that I hear about. Yes, this love that involves suffering, which this whole thing started about, the passion of Christ. Right. And by no means, if you give your life to Christ and say, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, and, and you make this commitment of a relationship with God, am I saying that, All your problems go away. Everything becomes beautiful and perfect because that is not true. Remember, love involves suffering. But the one thing I found out, this is cool. We we can we can talk about this a little bit more, but is that in life people are always having suffering and troubles and and chaos going on in life, and they feel like, well, when you give your life to Christ, it's all supposed to go away, and that's not true. See, back then. You had those problems, but you didn't have answers. Now we have answers. That's suffering with rather than suffering against. And that's what I like about that. That's really good. Also, in relationships, I just wanted to hit on this because we've been talking for a long time. About our relationship with God. Our relationship with God, yeah. But now these five keys, how does that work in a human relationship? So I'm just going to sort of make this a real quick comparison. If you think about uh, the keys to passion, the first one you talked about is vision of love. Mm-hmm. And that would be in a relationship. Yes. I think God saw humankind and saw the separation or divide. His desire was for relationship. So when you come into a relationship, um, the first thing is you have vision for it. Well, that's what, when I met you. Yeah. And after our relationship developed, I had a vision for marriage. Yes. Yes. You didn't have a a vision for fighting with me? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) So in that having a vision for relationship, anything that you want, there is always a cost. Yeah. Yeah. So the suffering is the cost. What are you willing to give for that vision of relationships since we're talking about relationships? Mm -hmm. So what are you willing? Are you willing to sit through the difficult times? Are you willing to have those conversations that cost you something? I had one person tell me one day that when you say, I'm willing to love you and I'm willing to be with you, I'm really saying I'm willing to suffer with you. Yeah. That's heavy. And it sounds so contradictory to the way we use those words, doesn't it? I'm willing to suffer with you. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that is the truth. So then, so that was number one. Number three, you had down as faith that you have belief. Now, there is no way that I'm going to pay a price if I don't believe I'm getting something in return. In the relationship, yeah. So in the relationship, even in real life, I'm not going to order something off some jinky, you know, website. I'm going to go to Amazon or some trusted place that I know I'm going to get what I pay for. Yep. So in this relationship, there has to be faith a belief. Faith or trust, yeah. 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 And then which is connected to hope, that Mm. joyful expectation. And the joyful expectation is what I'm going to reach that goal, that relationship, that desired outcome. So that that faith, that hope comes together. And then the destiny or reward is I get that fulfillment of love in the relationship. Forever and ever. (laughs) And that's the whole thing. But it can get so sidetracked. Because if you take 
the suffering against that person. And as soon as I identify you as that enemy, mm-hmm. it pulls me right off that That thing. is a brilliant point. I really, out of all things, we talked about that point of suffering against and suffering with. Yes. Is a beautiful point. And if you can grasp that, it'll change the whole face of the relationship. Even if you're in a difficult position in your relationship right now. Yeah. It's as easy as saying, let's find the things we agree upon and suffer against the things that are keeping us apart. So would you say that's the tennis shoes of working this out or walking this out? What this would you is, say the tennis shoes to that is? Exactly. Walking that out. Look for the things. You know what? I've, I've once heard it said, um, the way our human brain works, that when you think about a good memory, as well as a bad memory, but we're looking for the good memories, the things that join us together, when you focus on those things that you actually bring with it all the feelings and the good emotions, mm-hmm. which releases that chemical... The endorphins. Endorphins, that oxytocin, those connecting hormones, and they come reenacted within your life, and it will put you in the place that you can walk this through then, suffering together for mm. the outcome of love and relationships. When you're dealing with relationships, and I'm going to end with this... There are people in society that we deal with every day, and we're always constantly looking at what we're against. I'm against yes. this. I'm against that. True. What are you against? And if you're not against what I'm against, I'm against you. It puts us against each other. Exactly. I'm against you. So I think if we took time to find out what we're for yes, rather than what we're against, we'll find out we're a lot more for things than we are against things in our relationship. So good. I love it. It is good. Well... I'm glad that we got to talk about this subject and this season of Easter just passing by. Take time, talk with God, talk with your friends, and learn to suffer in the relationship, but suffer with and not against. Perfect. By the way, hint, find all the Easter eggs. Don't leave them hid in your house. (laughs) And if anybody sees Kwee out there, let me know. <laughs> Bye-bye. See y'all. Bye-bye. Something to remember. God has placed relationships as one of his top priorities, and I believe we can learn to do that as well. Like and subscribe to BRE Podcast. Be sure to share with friends. Best Relationship Ever is based out of Covering Ministries. You can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. There is also a link directly to our website in the show notes. Please consider partnering with us. Help us see this program reach thousands who are in need of support and trainings.